You're listening to Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM. Welcome to the Collegian Weekend Review. Here are your hosts, Maddie Welsh and Lauren Scott. Welcome back to the Collegian Weekend Review, where we give you an inside look into Michigan's oldest college newspaper. We're your hosts, Maddie Welsh and Lauren Scott. And today we'll be talking to Coleman Rowan about a talk about a recent book that a 2009 alumnus recently gave on campus. We'll also be talking to him about an upcoming event in the city at which Mayor Adam Stockford will be once again partaking in a wrestling match. And then we'll be talking to Logan Washburn about a recent potential predator situation that we had on campus here being dealt with by security. But first, Lauren and I are going to talk a little bit about some of the top headlines and most interesting stories in the Collegian this week. So one of the top stories that we have here today, actually our top story, um, is the Hillsdale community reacting to the war in Israel. This was a really well done piece by our digital editor, Elise Apel, um, and just a, a really interesting and sobering look into what's going on over there. It is a really interesting article and also, I mean, obviously very, very sad. Um, but it is interesting in the fact that we have a lot of people connected to Hillsdale in Israel right now. Uh, one of the people who is there, Nathaniel Berzer, who is a 2021 grad and also a son of a professor here at the college. Two professors, actually, both his parents. Oh, yeah, that's right. Two professors. He is studying at the Polis Institute. And so uh, we got to interview him. And it's just obviously very sad to hear about what's going on in Israel from someone who's actually there right now. Yeah, absolutely. Another really interesting thing um, in terms of a Hillsdale connection is that as of right now, I believe in the piece it said that they're still planning to do the passages to Israel trip later this year or early next year. Um so that's kind of interesting that that is still on the books. It is. I imagine it's something where they're remaining hopeful and obviously no one can really predict what's going on. And so I guess it is hope for the best and just pray that things get better to where that can happen. Yeah, but absolutely, if you have a chance to pick up a collegian or look online, it's a great piece to read. Very well reported. Um, another thing that we have on the front page this week is about the college naming Chris Rufo as a distinguished fellow of the college. Chris Rufo is a nice guy. Maddie and I actually took a one credit seminar with him a couple years ago. Yeah. So Chris Rufo is a journalist um, and he's been very active in conservative media on topics such as critical race theory, um, gender ideology, stuff like that. He's been very influential. Um, so it's super cool to see the college taking on someone with this much clout, I guess you could say, is the word. That's true. He is kind of a big name. Um, when I would tell some people back home that I took a class with Chris Rufo, a lot of people's response would be something along the line of, oh, I see him on Fox News, I saw him on TV, or oh, I follow him on Twitter. Uh, so he's definitely a big name out there, and he loves the college, um, and he's very happy to be here. So I'm glad that we were able to have him join us. Yeah, he's now one of three uh, distinguished fellows. The other two are Victor Davis Hansen, um, who is a military historian, and Father Michael Ward, who is a C.S. Lewis scholar. So... 
Good company there. In the city news section, we have quite a few interesting stories. Can you tell us more about that, city news editor? Yes, I sure can. One story that I especially enjoyed reading and editing this week was about a, quote, spooktacular Halloween party uh, that is taking place at 7 p.m. on October 21st at Jefferson Township Hall. And this event is put on by a few local businesses, including Davis Economy Service, HD Mechanical, and the Stoned Goat, which is actually a medical cannabis dispensary. So pretty fun stuff happening here. I just think that we absolutely need to have the word spooktacular in the lexicon used more frequently. I agree. I don't know why it's not actually. Yeah. I mean, it's coined here. Uh, Another interesting thing about this party. Well, first, it's meant to be a fun time for the community. People of all ages are welcome. Um, There will be a DJ. There's going to be bouncy houses for kids. There will be a, quote, kid-friendly Halloween movie. Something really fun about this party is that one of the event planners said there could be a potential appearance of the Hillsdale Batman, which, from my understanding, um, through a little bit of stalking on Facebook, is a Batman who is local to Hillsdale, goes to kids' event. I saw he was at the Hillsdale Public Library reading to kids, and he looks super official, so he might be there. Very exciting. Moving on to Charger Sports, which we are just experts on, right, Laura? Yeah, totally. That's a joke. Um, but something awesome we have here is the shotgun team. They took two wins in two Ohio tournaments, Um Assistant editor Carly Moran reported that the Hillsdale shotgun team earned first place in back-to-back national championships this past week at the Cardinal Center in Marengo, Ohio. Yeah, shotgun team is always achieving a lot of really excellent things. Yay, shotgun! Uh, The volleyball team also doing really well. Collegiate reporter Ty Ruddy says the Hillsdale volleyball team beat their GMAC rival Northwood University Timberwolves in four sets, October 6th. So, great win there. The volleyball team is historically pretty excellent and also historically underwatched. Yeah, I know that as far as sports beats go, whenever we are signing those at the Collegian, the women's volleyball is always a really fun one to have because they usually win. And it's much more fun to report on a team that is always winning opposed to a team that's always losing. Not to shout out any teams in particular, but we do have some that lose a lot. I cannot relate to that as the beat reporter of Charger Swim because they are winners most of the time. Next week I will have... Well, actually next week we don't have a paper because it's fall break. Woo! But the following week I'll have a piece about Swim because they have their first meet. Um, But in other Swim news, apparently... Four freshmen started a co-ed club swim team to provide non-varsity student-athletes with an opportunity to represent Hillsdale College athletics through swimming, as well as to build community. That is awesome to me. As a former swimmer, I had no idea this was happening, so this is a great example of the Collegian getting the news out there that people want to learn. Do you think you will go swim? I actually am quite interested in it. I don't have a lot of time. Um, so it definitely depends on when and how frequently they 
practice. And I also kind of don't want to compete because I don't have time for that. But if it's the kind of thing where I could just go practice, that'd be cool. Shout out to these freshmen for meeting a need that we've had for a long time. Um, another really cool story that we have this week is a feature about the head volleyball coach. Speaking of the volleyball team being really excellent. Um, the head coach, Chris Gravel, um, he's in his 28th season of coaching the Charger volleyball team. Um, and he's getting close to 600 career wins, which is just wonderful, um, especially since I read this story. The story behind this is that he originally came on to coach the team, saying that he would just do it for two years. His plan was to turn around a losing team into a winning team. Um, and he did that, but then he kept going with it. Um, so really awesome. That's enough from us for now. Next, we'll be back shortly with our guests. The Collegian Weekend Review continues. This is Maddie, and I'm here with Coleman Rowan, a Collegian reporter. And this week, we've got a couple of stories to talk about. The first one is in the news section. It's about a 2009 alumnus and the book that he published earlier this year. He came and spoke about it on campus. So, Coleman, tell me about this story. Yeah, so Nick Tabor, a graduate from 2009, he came in and spoke in the Heritage Room about his book, Africatown, America's Last Slave Ship and the Community It Created. Um, so this talk, he, he basically walked through what the book is about and like his thought process on what he was planning to write in it and how he like arrived at the conclusion and all, all that sort of like lead up to book writing. So the book was essentially about how this community like started and then how it grew and then how it fell into ruin pretty much now it's completely surrounded by factories and the population is like i don't know the exact numbers but a lot smaller than it used to be yeah tell me a little bit more about it where is it what is sort of what were his findings well so initially he went down there to write about the descendants of the people who started this town the people who started this town were um the last slave ship across the from the transatlantic slave trade to arrive in Mobile, Alabama. They that, they're their last one to come to America. It was like 1859 or 1860. So like right before the Civil War, it, the long after slavery, the the slave trade was illegalized in 1808. So this it was like a political stunt to do this by the guy which he talked about a little bit. But these people came over as slaves, pretty soon they were freed after the war was over, and they tried to get the money money together to pay the guy who took them over to take them back to Africa, and they didn't have enough money, and so they decided to start a neighborhood outside of uh, outside of Mobile. So they pooled their money and they started this neighborhood. Uh, Nick Tabor said that he went down there and he talked to one of the guys who was the descendant of the last surviving member of the town, and he said that like. When he was a kid, it was a thriving community in like the 50s and 60s. It did really well, it prospered. And now it's like the highway cuts straight through it and there's multiple factories grow, like just set up all around um, that have just kind of turned it into sort of a wasteland. And so he was, so he decided he was going to write about what happened to it. How did he do the research for this and, you know, make the book actually come to fruition? So he... He decided that he would move down to Africatown. Um, he he moved down there, and I think he said it was 2019. 
um, yeah, right before COVID, which you know, obviously he didn't know about, but he, he planned on living there and being part of the community. Um, he said that, you know, he was at like every community event. He was, you know, cleaning up the city with them. He was at the city hall meetings, all those things. He was, he was there, um, talking to people, uh, going through the archives, um, just like all the history he, he, he knew all about the guy who took him over on, on the ship. He knew about the guy who paid for it. There was a lot of research. That was, that was the impression I got from a lot of people after the talk. They were telling me like, I'm really impressed with how much knowledge he has, like not just on the subject, but on everything around the subject too. Yeah. Who did you talk to at the event um, from the college and what'd they think? I talked to Will Gagnon. He's a junior. He told me, that um, that was that was his main thing that he was impressed with, how much knowledge he had on the subject, and um, you know the actual results that his research had. Um, in this, in addition to a movie called Descendant, which is on Netflix, um, they raised a lot of awareness, and they they put up a heritage museum. They're hoping to attract some tourism and some help to like bring back and revive this neighborhood. So Will was impressed with the response that came out of actually telling this story. Um. And then I also talked to Dr. Lindley and Dr. Peters. Dr. Lindley could understand one of the, one of the conclusions of the book. I guess I should have said this earlier was that the reason why Africa Town fell into ruin is because they it was it was he said it was I think the path of least resistance for building like factories. It was like this this land is cheap and poor. Like, the people here are poor. I can build a factory here for the least amount and get cheap labor. So he, he concluded that, like, you know, it wasn't like they were being racist and intentionally put these factories here because they didn't like black people. They, they put it there because it was cheap and because that was... And Dr. Lindley said that he could definitely understand that. He said he, he lived in Texas and in Arkansas, and he saw this a lot with not with, like, any poor community. That's just what happens. You, you don't have a lot of money. Your land around you is cheap. People build factories, your community falls apart. Um, yeah, those were the those were the main impressions I got. It's just sort of understanding and really just people just took it all in. I think mostly. Well, on a completely different and somewhat more cheerful note, the other story that you wrote this week is about a very exciting event coming up in the Hillsdale area. Tell me more about that. Yeah, so uh, coming up end of October, October twenty eighth. Um, Championship International Wrestling is heading back to the the county fairgrounds, and they're they're hosting this fight, uh, just like they did last year, um, and just like last year, Mayor Stockford is going to fight in the fight again. <laughs> um, he he did really well last year. I I went to it. I reported on it last year. It was it was a lot of fun. It's I, the the article I wrote mostly focuses on. Mayor Stockford's uh, like uh, participation in the fight, but there are, there are a number of fights. I, last year, I think it was like an hour, hour and a half, and there were tons of like crazy characters. There's like one guy named like Baron Voodoo and all these weird things. Um, yeah, so that's what that's at seven p.m. Doors open at six p.m. October twenty eighth at the fairgrounds. Um, yeah, it's <laughs> it's it's going to be really exciting. I think. Who is the mayor fighting? He's fighting this guy called the Ripper. Um, and so, you know, these the style that this this wrestling works is like the 
uh, I talked to the guy who runs it. He said it's a cast of good versus evil characters. And so, you know, the guy he's fighting is the bad guy. Mayor Stockford is the good guy. Um, the the bad guy is the Ripper. He is, he's run by this, uh, who's described as a weaselly little guy, the the mod father um, who controls, you know, he's like the, the small little guy who controls the, the big scary dude who, you know, sends out his, his body man to go fight the mayor. And the mod father said that if his guy wins, then he gets to be mayor of Hillsdale for 30 days. And so, you know, that's a pretty bold, bold claim to make. And Mayor Stockford responded, like, all right, you know, you want to do it, bring it on. So that there's a lot, there's a lot on the line at this fight. I mean, if if the Mod Father wins, then that he could be the mayor of Hillsdale, for, and you know, you can do a lot in 30 days. That could there could be a lot of destruction. So we're all rooting for the mayor. Huge political consequences. Yes. To this. Well, thank you, thank you so much for sharing. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. Radio Free Hillsdale's The Collegian Week in Review continues. This is Lauren, and I'm here with Logan Washburn, the associate editor of The Collegian. This week, he wrote a story about security warning campus about a potential predator. Logan, tell me what happened after security sent out this warning. Yeah, so security emailed campus on October 9th. Um, They basically sent an email saying, this guy's been in the area, this is what he looks like, um, and if you see him on campus, call security, but if he confronts you, call 911. Um, So kind of all throughout this week, campus has been on the lookout for this guy, um, and the the building doors have been locked, security has been on extra patrols, Um, they've done a very good job, by the way, I might add. Um, And... Yeah, so, so it's just been in the back of everyone's minds or at the forefront of everyone's minds throughout this whole week. Um, but as of 3 a.m. this morning, the Michigan State Police um, arrested him and he is now in jail from charges that um, stemmed from an October 9th incident, but nothing related to the college. Um, security warned that he was a potentially assaultive and predatory person. Tell me a little bit about the communication that security had with campus during the time that uh, this man was nowhere to be found and they believed he was a threat. Yeah, so they, um, you know, I mentioned they sent out that October 9th email, the initial one. And then after that, they um, sent out another email update on October um, 11th basically updating and saying that there hadn't been any more incidences in which he was seen on campus, um, but that they should still stay alert and that they still hadn't found him. Um, But by this morning, October 12th, um, they emailed and told campus that he'd been captured. So they've been really intentional about these communications. And I think that they've been trying to be transparent and understand that the students are one of the best assets because it's a set of eyes and ears everywhere on campus. Did Bruno interact with any students? He did. Um, there were several students he interacted with in the Howard Music Hall. Um, I spoke to them for my piece. Um, they assumed he was a donor. He spoke to them about um, <laughs> Jordan Peterson, of all things. Um, and there were a lot of other interactions he had with students around campus that were, um, you know, 
many of them seemed innocent enough. Um, but then all of these students, after security sent that email, recognized who it is that they had been talking to. Um, there were also some rumors of other um, less innocent interactions that he had with students. How long was he around campus for? Um, so in terms of who I talked to, um, it goes all the way back until at least October 2nd. And why did the students believe that this man was not a threat? Well, he uh, he dressed in Hillsdale College clothing. Security footage actually captured him entering Mossy Library wearing um, a Hillsdale College crew neck and a hat and glasses. So, you know, dressed like someone that you would expect to see around campus. Um, so I think because he presented himself that way, um, it seemed like he wasn't a threat in the moment. And then um, thankfully, once security found out that there were issues, they, they jumped on it and made sure that everyone was safe. All right, Logan. Well, thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me on the show. Always enjoy it. You have been listening to the Collegian Week Interview on Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM. We're your hosts, Lauren Scott and Maddie Welsh. You can find the Collegian online at hillsdalecollegian.com or on Instagram at Hillsdale Collegian. You can also find previous episodes of the Collegian Week Interview online at cwir.transistor.fm. Once again, you've been listening to the Collegian Week in Review on Radio Free Hillsdale, 101.7 FM.